0: This is a message from Life Church Leads. We hope it encourages and helps you. And then we'll turn to Psalm 25. We're going to do a little bit of a recap from last week. How many of you were here last week? Yeah. Last week I spoke a message titled, What to do when you don't know what to do. What to do when you don't know what to do. And it was based in this scripture, Psalm 24, Psalm 25, verse 4 to 5. And uh, this verse says this, Show me your ways, Lord, and teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Written by the psalmist David, King David, who many times was a point of his life where he's like, I don't know what to do. And I spoke last week, how about it's okay for us not to have everything always planned out. It's okay if we don't always have the answers. It's okay if we find ourselves in some valleys. We spoke about how sometimes the, you know, Christians are sometimes the warmest, most loveliest, generous, kindest, softest, wisest fake people around. And when I wanna mean fake people, I was really talking about I wasn't blaming you, I was blaming me. I sometimes say, How are you? Yeah, I'm good when you're not good. What are you doing? And you come out with this plan, but you really don't have the plan together. But because we are Bible-believing, spirit-filled Christians, we sometimes feel like we have to have it all together, but yet we've just been singing a song which says, You hold it all together. And we have to like transition from going, it's okay for us not to have it all together, as long as we know who the one who holds it all together. And just try to release us as a church, not to try and be this like perfect, you know, Christian, perfect family, perfect student that, you know, is all mapped out. And the blessing of God is going to get me this, then it's going to get me that, then it's going to get me this, then it's going to get me that. But the blessing of God is not limited to material gain. In fact, that's very low on the list. But the blessing of God is the hope that we have in dark situations. The blessing of God is the grace that we receive when we don't deserve or feel like we reserve that, deserve that grace. The blessing of God goes way beyond simply gain of possessions. And so what to do when you don't know what to do? I encourage you to listen to that maybe on Spotify. All our messages are put up there on a Monday so you can catch up. Um, on that if you would like to. So today, I have um, another title for this message. You ready for the title for this message today? It's going to come on the screen. When you don't know what to do, part two. (laughs) Yes, there was a lot of thought and creativity that went into that this week, a lot of prayer. And so here we are. We're going to read from Mark chapter 5, okay? Mark chapter 5 from verse 21 to 43. It's a few verses, but I'm basically going to fulfill a lot of your Bible reading for the week. It says this, When Jesus had again crossed over by the boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and she will live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him, and a woman who was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak, because she thought, if I can just touch his cloak, I will be healed." Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. Hallelujah. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. And so he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciple answered. And yet you can ask, who touched you? Man, the disciples were rude. <laughs> I mean, they are like sometimes just a bit too above the cheeky beyond the point of cheek. But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader, and said, your daughter is dead. They said, why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. Which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this they were completely astonished. And he gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this. And told them to give her something to eat. Quite a few verses, but I want to kind of put these passages together. And hopefully explain what I really want to share with you guys today. story of two people, Jairus and the woman who have reached the point where they no longer know what to do. They've got to the point, like this title says, where they no longer know what to do. And I don't know if you've ever been in this place of extremeness, but for Jairus, he is the dad of a dying little girl. Just to imagine what that must be like is incomprehensible. And then we have the woman with the issue of blood, who is obviously well known throughout scripture. We don't know her name All we know is she is the woman with the issue of blood. One of whom is waiting. The man, Jairus, is waiting. Everybody say waiting. Waiting Waiting for Jesus to quickly come to his house. If your daughter is dying, how many of you know? Come now. Like, run. Push whoever you need to push away. Just go through red lights Your daughter is, my daughter is dying. I need you to come. And yet, he's in this place talking with Jesus, and Jesus says, I will come. But then gets distracted by a lady who has been waiting, everybody say, waiting for 12 years for something to change. So Jesus is like, do I go with Jairus or do I go with the woman? Something's got to give here. But Jesus being Jesus, he heals both. In fact, what I find fascinating about this is, in fact, the little girl was born at the same time that the woman with the issue became unwell. If you think she had been suffering from bleeding for 12 years, Jairus' daughter was 12 years. So the moment she was born, this lady has been suffering all of that time. She has been waiting for 12 years, and Jairus has probably been waiting for 12 minutes. But both of them are in demand of a breakthrough right now. I don't know about you, but I'm not a big fan of waiting. I don't like waiting. I don't really like waiting. I'm kind of, um, I'm, maybe I'm a little bit like agitated about stuff. I kind of want things quick. Okay? So when it comes to food, like, I don't mind going to a nice restaurant and waiting, but I don't want to wait too long. Like, we went to a nice place, Zap Thai, this week. Anybody love a bit of Zap Thai? Zap Thai is good. The food is good, but the waiting time is even better. It's like four minutes. It does make you think, where's this come from? Has this just been microwaved? But I'm not a big fan of waiting. Neither are you. Let's be honest. We're not great at Waiting because we expect instant on the spot results like now. The fact that we have to wait two days for a delivery of some items of clothing, (laughs) I will not be using you again. (laughs) I remember years ago, this is showing my age a little bit. I'm still in my 30s, just, but I'm showing my age when you used to take pictures and you used to have to go to a shop and you'd take the film out of the camera and you'd have to get them developed and you'd have to wait like two days. <laughs> now there was a premium service where you could do it like boots six hours. <laughs> the thought of waiting for anything like that seems so foreign maybe to a younger generation. The digital electronic age that we are in and we are enjoying has led us to receive instantly whatever we want and whatever we need. I bought something on Amazon last week, right? And I bought it in the morning. It arrived in the afternoon. Same day. Prime. (laughs) spoke to my parents this week because they wanted to watch the tennis and it was on Amazon Prime, the US Open. I'm like, have you not got Amazon Prime? They're like, we haven't got, I'm like, how can you not have Amazon? <laughs> like, the whole world has Amazon Prime. And, and, you know, anyway, that's another thing, talking to my parents about it. Because there is something about the instant nature of buying something and it arriving. But we get agitated waiting at the lights. Traffic lights. <laughs> the doctor's surgery. The queue at Little. Did you know patience is a fruit of the Spirit? (laughs) And it's a fruit that I need to grow in. It's a fruit that is in short supply, (laughs) honestly speaking. I think I do need to grow in patience. And I want to say today, waiting for things isn't the work of the devil, (laughs) Waiting for things in life is just a natural consequence, a natural reaction of the things of life. And actually, there are some aspects of waiting which are beautifully spiritual. You wait for your marriage partner. And then you get engaged. Hey, you wait to have, well, hopefully we wait to have sex with our marriage partner. We wait for lots of things in life and there is something beautifully spiritual about the wait. Because while we are waiting, it develops something in us. But there is often something of the lustful nature in us which wants it now. But there is also something in the loving nature of God that says, hey, it's okay to wait. It's okay to be patient. And So I want to share a little bit about this today. Because sometimes with God, we wait and we wait and we wait but the question is, how are you waiting? How do we wait? Because we can wait frustrated with God. And you're kind of just like banging your fist on the table going, yeah, I'm still waiting, God. I'm waiting for that job. And I'm waiting for that pay rise. And I'm waiting for that breakthrough. And I'm waiting for that opportunity. And I'm waiting for that partner. And I'm waiting for that healing. And I'm waiting, waiting, waiting. And there is almost like a frustration. And if we're honest, all of us at times have waited with that level of frustration. So I'm trying to help us be honest as a church. Last week I spoke about us being honest. How many of you have sometimes waited with frustration with God? Going, You have the ability, the capability, the provision and the power to sort this out. Sort it out. (laughs) Otherwise I'll sort you out. (laughs) We can either wait with frustration with God or... Like some of you wise people and spiritual oaks in here, the room, you can wait with a trust in God. And as you are waiting, your trust is really the expression, the fruit of your patience. The patience might be the root, really, but it is, or the trust is the root, but the patience is the fruit that comes forth, knowing that I'm with God, I trust God. It's going to be okay. See, when we wait with frustration with God, sometimes what we try and do is we force things to happen. We push things beyond what we need pushing. We force things, we quicken things, and we put things quicker than they needed to happen. It's almost like you're in winter and you're forcing spring. You cannot force spring. You have to wait for spring. Farmers understand this. I've been watching Jeremy Clarkson, The Farm, (laughs) on Amazon, if any of you have watched it, it's a good watch, a few naughty words every now and then, you just have to bleep them out, but it is a good, I enjoy it, because he's new to farming, and he, I think he's a little bit like me, he's probably impatient in a lot of things, and he wants crops now, and he wants profits now, and he wants, you know, you know, cow's milk now, and he wants this now, 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 but there is a time, and farmers know this, because you have to work with the seasons, that there is a time of waiting And you have to be patient. And sometimes we try and force things. And if a farmer tries to take up their crops before it's ready, they will have no crops. But when we wait with patience, what it can develop is a peace within us. Very rarely does my timing match up with God's timing. (laughs) I'm often too early and I want something now or I'm too late. And God's like, I had it for you and I'm just too beyond lazy and I haven't caught up with it yet. But God is gracious to all of us. Really, what I'm trying to cultivate in our church, I suppose, is a cultivate in our culture is a spirit that is patient, a spirit that trusts, a spirit that is at peace. That when everything is screaming, we don't know what to do in this moment, that we don't panic and we don't freak out and make some poor decision that we regret later. But we learn what it is to be patient in God. We learn what it is to wait on the Lord. And we've sang that song many times based in scripture. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 31. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not Faint. But look what it says in that first line. Those who wait, what? On the Lord. You see, there is an aspect of waiting and how you wait really is what you are waiting on. Because if you are spending all of your time waiting on a circumstance or waiting on a boss or waiting on a supervisor, or waiting on a policy change, or waiting on something else, it can leave us discouraged and it can leave us frustrated. But Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah encourages us to what? Wait on the Lord. And as you wait on the Lord, the Bible says, that is what renews your strength. But if I spend all my time waiting on a circumstance to change or waiting on a friend or waiting on a family member or waiting on this or waiting on that, it, it, it zaps me of energy and it can limit me and it can make me frustrated and I can end up being in a place of panic and confusion. But Isaiah says, you don't want to wait on any of those things. You need to wait on the Lord because it is the waiting on the Lord that the Bible says actually gives you wings. <laughs> Those that wait on the Lord shall rise up, what does it say, on wings like eagles. And this lady has been waiting for 12 years. And we don't know what that waiting journey has been like. We don't have any insight into that. I'm sure there were moments where she was like, this is it. This is how I am. I'm sure there are moments where she was angry, fed up, frustrated. What we do know is that the Bible says she had been subject to bleeding. See, what a subject to basically I mean. she wasn't in control of her condition, but the condition was in control of her. She'd been subject to that. And some of you, I think, in the room feel like you have no control over what is happening. You feel like you are subject to the courts or you are subject to the bank or you are subject to a past relationship. And this lady is in the same boat. She has been subject to something. And because of that, she has no control over it. She can't change it. She can't twist it around. She can't flip it. She is literally under the control of this condition. Waiting in that time. The Bible says she suffered under the care of people. Of many doctors. It's an interesting line. Suffered under the care people who had good intentions, and yet she still suffered under the care of those people. The Bible says she spent all that she had, paying for this trial, paying for that test, paying for those drugs, paying, paying, paying for that information, paying for that expertise. She spent all she had. She was exhausted. She had exhausted all of her options and What I love is that we don't really know what happens in those 12 years, but we know what happens in this moment. The Bible says when she heard, when she heard that Jesus was coming. Why? Because why is that important? Because there is a power in what you listen to. And had she been listening to everything else? But when she heard, there's a savior coming. There's a miracle worker coming. There's a healer coming. When she heard, when she heard The Bible says she came up behind him. She didn't just stay where she was, but the Bible says she moved. She came up behind Jesus. There is the power of not just what you listen to, but there is also the power of what you move towards despite the pain. And as she listens and as she moves, the Bible says she touches his cloak. There is something in that. There is something literally in the the power of engagement. I don't know what went through her mind. All I can think of it is there is a desperation in her. That says, I've tried everything else. And I've been waiting long enough. And just grabs her, uses her hand and touches, the Bible says, the hem of his garment. Not a full grab on his cloak, just the hem. And it was that touch that is enough. I like that kind of waiting where she doesn't just sit down and do nothing. But her kind of waiting looks like listening to the right things. It looks like moving towards where Jesus is and then engaging with him. I call it listening, moving, engaging. Listening, moving, engaging. And if some of you are in that place right now when you don't know what to do, can I ask you, what are you listening to? (laughs) Because it's important what you listen to when you don't know what to do. (laughs) The second thing I'd ask you is, what are you moving towards When you don't know what to do, do you just stand still or do you still move towards the things of God? Do you still move towards wise counsel? Do you still move towards serving the kingdom of God or do you just stay where you are? You've got to move to the things of God. And when you move there, you've also got to do some engagement. You've got to engage in the things of God. I like this kind of waiting because actually this is more than just waiting. This is faith. That's really what it is. It is a faith that moves. It is a faith that listens. It is a faith that engages. And when you don't know what to do, really what I want to stir in some of you today is to have some faith. Really, last week what we spoke about was some of like the, you know, the wise things to do and the practical steps. But you've got to join them together with some good old fashioned biblical faith What are you listening to? What are you moving towards? What are you engaging with? And what I love about this story, what does it say? It says, she touched Jesus. She touched Jesus. Normally, when it comes to like songs or prayer, normally what we pray is, God, touch me. God, touch us. You know, God do this for us God you know and we, we sing that we can pray that and we, we can believe that and there's nothing wrong with that but normally we pray for a touch from Jesus or a touch from heaven the question I'd like to reverse that was when was the last time you decided to touch Jesus <laughs> when was the last time you touched Jesus or do we spend all of our life when we don't know what to do you're going, well Jesus I'm going to wait for you to sort this out I'm just going to wait for you to touch me and to zap me and to change me and to heal me and to bring breakthrough for me What I like about this lady and many of the people in the Gospels, from blind Bartimaeus to Zacchaeus to people who make some movement towards Jesus, Jesus responds to movement. Because we can spend our whole time waiting for Jesus to move towards us and to touch us. But how about we move towards him? And how about we make a decision to touch him? What does the Bible say in James chapter 4 verse 8? It says, draw near to God. And he will draw near to you. But sometimes we're waiting for God to draw near to us. And God, if you draw near to us, then I might consider drawing near to you. No, when you don't know what to do, one of the best things you can do is make a decision to continually draw near to God. And the Bible says immediately her bleeding stopped. How awesome is that? Talk about praise report. Immediately her bleeding stopped. She felt in her body The Bible says, free from her suffering. That is the wonder working power of Jesus Christ. Because when you stretch towards him, I truly believe Jesus responds. And he might not always respond how you want to respond, but I think it's better to have a stretching life, a life that is reaching for something, a life that is moving towards Jesus than just has arms crossed, waiting, going, well, sort it out, and if it doesn't sort it out, that's just the way it is. or ass or whatever will be, will be. No, make some movement. Have some faith that moves. Have some faith that has a stretch in it. Is there a stretch in you? We then have Jairus. And he's waiting for Jesus as he's healing a lady who's been waiting for 12 years. Because the Bible says Jairus went with Jesus. And so Jairus is walking with Jesus. Jesus gets stopped. You can imagine Jairus going, Well, this is great. <laughs> this is fantastic. <laughs> How long, who else is going to stop him on the way? <laughs> you could imagine him as a dad being frantic. My daughter is dying. And he's waiting for Jesus. How frustrating. This is an emergency. We are waiting for an ambulance here. <laughs> a few weeks ago, there was a lady on the side of the road, and I pulled over the car, and she was like, she'd collapsed and she'd banged her head and she'd cut her head. And so I'm, and she was with her husband, and I'm like, have you rang for an ambulance? I'm like, we, they have, and they said, it's, they're gonna, they said it's gonna be like an hour's wait. And like, we couldn't believe it. So I ring an ambulance and they're like, yeah, we're really busy. It's going to be at least an hour. And I remember being there going, this is this is like, this feels wrong. This, feel, this is an emergency. And yet we are waiting and Jairus is in this place. And the Bible says, ultimately he waited so long that report comes back to him that it's too late. His daughter has died. And some of you in the room, I feel, you feel like you've been waiting so long. You've been waiting so long that you feel your situation has died or you feel your dream has died or you feel your relationship has died. It's like you've been, Jesus, I've been waiting so long, so long, so long and now you get a report back that the deal has died, the business has died, whatever it might be, but something has died. In fact, someone comes to Jesus and says, don't bother, someone comes to Jairus and says, don't bother him anymore, your daughter's died. But Jesus is listening. Overhearing this, he says, just believe. And in verse 37 to 40, I haven't got time to read those scriptures out, but in verse 37 to 40 of that passage in Mark chapter 5, the Bible says Jesus gets rid of anything, and Jesus gets rid of anyone that wasn't in line with the faith that he had for that moment. The Bible says he didn't take all of the disciples, he didn't take the whole crowd, all he took was I think, was it James and John? They're the only people he takes with him. And when he gets into the room of the synagogue leader, by the way, which is like the pastor of the the church, the, the, the leader of the synagogue, you know, the man of faith and who would have had all the right people around him. But yet the Bible says they were all crying and they're all wailing. Why? Because the daughter has died. And yet Jesus gets them all out. He gets rid of them. Get out, get out, get out. What is he? He's getting rid of the unbelief. He is getting rid of the criers and the wailers. And he wants to be with people who are prepared to wait with trust in God, knowing that Jesus has the ability, knowing that Jesus' timing is perfect. And so he removes all of those things from the room. And the Bible says Jesus takes this little girl by the hand, says Talitha kum, little girl, I say to you, Get up. Immediately. The lady was healed. From bleeding for 12 years. The Bible says. Immediately. In the same passage. The 12 year old girl. Was healed. And I don't know if that's the writer Mark. Who just wants to use the same word. But I just think there's something. Instant. With the wonder working power of Jesus. Despite the wait, despite the patience. And I believe some immediate leads are coming for some of you in the room. And I want to prophesy that to some of you in the room today. Prophesy that to some of families in the room, that there are some immediate leads coming in your stretch, in your patience, in your waiting, There are some immediate that are around the corner. And I sense God say to some of you today, some of you are moving into miracle territory. Some of you are moving into miracle territory. Because we could have like territory here, which is kind of folded arms, kind of just waiting, and hopefully it's going to happen, and hopefully it's going to change. We'll wait and see, we'll wait and see, we'll wait and see. But maybe if we stepped into the place... Of the woman with the issue of blood. Or even Jairus who just comes and finds Jesus. I've been waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, but I'm going to come with you. Maybe that is the miracle territory. Maybe that's the place. And it's not that God is not kind enough to heal you if you're not in miracle territory. And you have to step in for him to heal you. God is kind. God can heal those who follow him and those who don't follow him. God can follow those who believe, God can heal those who believe and God can also heal those who don't believe. God is God, he can respond how he wants to respond and I've seen God heal people who are not Christians, I've seen God heal people who are Christians, I've seen God heal, why? Because he is loving, gracious, compassionate and kind. But there is something in the Bible, especially in the New Testament, that you cannot ignore, that there is just something about faith in Christ. That steps you and leads you into a place of what I'd call miracle territory. When you've spent all you've got, when you've trusted and you've continued to trust. When you've believed and you continue to believe. When you've kept the faith despite all circumstances saying give up, there's no point. What's the point? You've kept the faith. That is almost the place of miracle territory. And so what is Miracle Territory? As I draw this to a close in the final couple of minutes, Miracle Territory actually, I think, is found in Mark chapter 6. And I haven't got time to read Mark chapter 6, but literally this is the next chapter, the next verse. And what happens is Jesus returns to his hometown. He returns to Nazareth. He returns to Nazareth to continue the miracles that he's just done. And now he's going to do them in his hometown. And what it says in Mark chapter six, look what it says in verse five. It says, Jesus could not do any miracles there. Hold on. Jesus couldn't do any miracles there. But he's just healed this woman and he's just raised to life this dead little girl. But now he's gone to his hometown. And he can't do any miracles there. This doesn't make sense. This lady with a medical condition that all the experts couldn't do anything, Jesus has healed her. And the girl that everyone had given up on, Jesus has healed her. Now he goes to his hometown. And the biggest issue, going back to his hometown, is that it is full of familiarity. And there is a total lack of expectation. There is a familiarity. It's just Jesus. He's in his hometown. We know Jesus. We used to play football with Jesus. We all know Jesus. I was in school with Jesus. Familiarity that says, what could he do? We know who he is. And as a result of that, there is a lack of expectation because familiarity will always breed a lack of expectation. It's just Jesus. And I want to encourage us today, church, allow your expectation To kick out familiarity. When you don't know what to do. Get your expectation in God. And allow it to boot out familiarity. Because Jesus has miracles for Nazareth. He has breakthrough for Nazareth. He has miracles for you and he has breakthrough for you. But the Bible says some of them took offence at Jesus because they said, isn't this just the carpenter? Isn't this just Mary's son? Aren't his brothers James and Joseph? Aren't his sisters with us? We know who he is. And they took offence at him. And that word offence literally means snare. There was a snare in between their breakthrough and their miracle. And their snare was the snare of familiarity. And the familiarity literally prevented them from receiving what Jesus wanted to give them. And when you're in a place when you don't know what to do, you've got to stir some faith and you've got to believe. Don't get into a place of familiarity. But look what it says in the previous chapters. This closes. But in Jairus, what does he do? And we skipped over it, but in verse 22, the Bible says, Jesus fell at the feet of Jesus. What does the woman do in verse 33? She falls at the feet of Jesus. Because when you don't know what to do, there is something about your posture. There is something about your posture, your internal posture, that positions you for breakthrough. It's not just about works. It's not just about doing, doing, doing. It's simply faith. And I want to encourage us, church, can we raise our faith? Can we believe it? Can we kneel for it? Can we be hungry for it? Let's grow in an expectation that God can transform, that God can break through, that God can provide. That God can bring revival. That God can pour out his spirit on all flesh. That God can do exceedingly abundantly beyond anything you can ask, think or imagine. That God can do all of those things when we have an expectation for it. We step into that miracle territory and we begin to stretch for the hem of his garment. We begin to fall at the feet of Jesus and we say my daughter may be dead but I believe you can still heal her. Can we still have expectation for it in Jesus name amen amen come on let's stand up to our feet right now we're gonna close and i've just asked the band just to lead us in this song maybe you feel like you're in that place of waiting but this song says take courage take courage take courage and i pray for a stretch in some of you today in the name of jesus i pray for a stretch in our church I pray for us to kick out familiarity and to step into that place of expectation. I pray that we wouldn't just sit there and do nothing but when we are in a place when we don't know what to do what we would do is press into you what we would do is kneel at the feet of Jesus what we would do is be bold what we would do is move towards you what we would do is draw near to you what we would do is come to you believing what we would do is worship you what we would do is get rid of things and distractions which just cause us to be familiar and cause us to be flat and I pray there is a stirring in our spirit today for the supernatural workings of jesus that we wouldn't be just content with how things are right now but jesus that we would believe that you are able to do great things in our workplaces great things in our schools great things in our universities that you'd pour out your spirit and that we wouldn't be hindrances to that but God may we be the people that Jesus invites us may we be the James and the Johns that Jesus invites us into the rooms of dead situations maybe with dead people maybe people who need the breath of life in them I pray Jesus will take us with them because we have expectation that he can do it and maybe we've been waiting a long time and maybe people have been waiting a long time but in the waiting Jesus we wait on the Lord we wait on you in Jesus name come on let's sing this song together let's worship him with all we have